All right, we're going to read in just a moment from the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter, if you'd like to find that in your Bible, Matthew 13. Well, uh, several of you in the room are parents, and you have had small children, and no doubt you have been through that stage that I sometimes just call the why stage. Been there? Why? I need you to go do this. Why? It's important that our family be about that. Why? Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? I have one friend who was in a restaurant with his family, and the wait person came over and actually looked kind of strange. And the child said, why does he look like that? So, you know, it just can be a little awkward at times uh, when children are in that stage. fact of the matter is, uh, we all are a bit of a child at heart, and we all still continue to have a little bit of that stage in us, do we not? So that when things happen in our lives that are hard, that, that are inexplicable, maybe there's a, an illness, a, a physical malady, maybe there's a financial deal going on, a relational schism or whatever, and it's like, God, why? Well, one of the questions that uh, kind of stands before us most of the days of our lives is not just the why question. But the what question, what am I supposed to be about? Why am I here? Why are you here? There are a lot of religions in the world that have sought to answer that question, right? One religion will say, well, what it's all about is that eventually you're going to be a king or a prince or something like that. Right now you're an ant. But in the next life, you'll be something else. And in the next life, you'll be something else. And eventually, you're going to be that prince or kingly person. Just make sure you don't mess up along the way because it'll put you back into your next life into a lesser form or smaller form or whatever. Um, I don't think they've got it. The uh, Jewish faith, of course, believed that the why am I here thing uh, and what we were talking about was actually some level of self-actualization with the other group. The Jewish group thought, but we're here to be a blessing. And they kind of took that back to Abraham and, and the promise that God had given Abraham. And, and ultimately, God said, I'm going to give you a land. And in that land, you'll be a blessing to the world and uh, to the multitudes. And so as we get toward the time of Jesus, the only problem with that was they didn't have the land, Right. Rome was this vast empire that had assimilated the uh, land of Israel as their own. And so Jesus steps into this whole context of why am I here? What is my life supposed to be about? And he begins to answer that with respect to matters of the kingdom of God. That are without respect to geography. So that in Mark 1.15, he says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, the interesting thing about when Jesus began to speak into that first century Jewish community in that kind of way, they absolutely and totally misunderstood him. 
He used language that they were familiar with, but he used the language in another way, and it went right by them. And so when he said the kingdom of God, that word kingdom is the same word as empire. So it's as if you were to hear the empire of God is coming to replace or to displace the empire of Rome. And they were, sure, yeah, uh uh-huh, okay, and and now's the time. So to repent and to believe would be to kind of ready yourself, no longer uh, be this docile kind of oppressed people, but now you ready yourself for some kind of uh, military engagement and action where you're going to be able to overthrow the evil empire. In Luke 14, 43, Jesus said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. He had already been in a town that everybody just wanted to seize him and make him king right then and there. Let's do it right now. And he says, no, I have to go to other towns. I have to tell others about the good news. For I was sent for this purpose. Now, if we had queried you before... Uh, I began the talk to say, what was the purpose of Jesus? Why was Jesus here? Some of you might have said, well, he came to die for our sins. He came to bring a peace that passes understanding. He came to do this or came to do that. And those things are true that they happened. But Jesus said, the reason I came was to tell you that the kingdom of God is here right now. And that can become a little perplexing to us because, A, we still have all these other powers that contend for control of our lives. And B, and and the way that Matthew put it, he would refer to the kingdom of God as the kingdom of heaven. And if those are synonymous, I thought heaven was something that happened off in the future. What are you talking about right now? At hand, here, present, imminent. So, let's talk about the kingdom of God for just a moment. And the way that Jesus would address the kingdom of God, and he did it time and time and time again. In fact, he only referred to the kingdom of God without a parable one time. And I'm going to tell you what that is in just a minute. All the rest of the time, he talked in parables. And in fact, the uh, Old Testament prophesied that he would come talking and speaking only in parables. Which... His first century hearers did not appreciate, and most of us don't either. Could you just speak it out plainly? What is the kingdom of God? What does it look like? When will it be ours? How does all this take place? And uh, Jesus, who tells these stories, which means to put alongside of reality, to help you grasp reality, he would tell you this little story. It's kind of like saying, what is the sun? Well, the sun is when you're... Skin feels warmed because of its rays. The sun is the shadow that is cast as its rays come across your body. And you're like, what? That only just gives you a kind of indirect concept of what the sun is, right? And that's kind of what parables do. And the scriptures say that he would do that. Knowing not everybody would understand parables. In fact, in Matthew 13, we looked at it last week. We won't look at it again today. Uh, In the context, he said, um, if you have ears to hear, 
here. Knowing that many did not have ears to hear. That is to say, did not have the capacity to take in what he would be saying and grasp it, get it, appreciate it, want it. And that's true even in this room today. Jesus is about to put something forth that is very profound and very important for you. And uh, when this hour is over and we walk out, you know, if we were to do a little exit polling, some of you would get it. Some of you would get it deeply and would be moved by it. Some of you wouldn't get it and don't care. And some of you wouldn't get it. And you're like, how can I get to a point where I get it? So we're, we're all over the spectrum about how we feel about these less than direct and clear messages of Jesus. Let me just say this. Because in Matthew 13, 15, Jesus said, those that don't get it, it's because they got a dull heart. And that's uh, in context with what he had said about a hard heart. That is to say, it's like seed that gets sown. And if the soil is hard, the seed doesn't penetrate and it doesn't take growth and effect inside the person's life. He goes, that's what it's like to be a dull heart. But if you have any inkling right now that says, I get some of it, I want to get more. I I hunger and I thirst to know all the things that God wants me to know. Then, friend, I would just pray. I would pray right now. God, give me ears to hear. Give me a mind that will comprehend. Give me a heart that will be responsive. Because if you are having that kind of stirring within you, the Bible says that's the activity of the Holy Spirit. We do not naturally have that hungering and that thirsting for the will of God, the ways of God, the word of God. And so if that's stirring in you right now, that's the Holy Spirit of God stirring you. And I would say lean into that by praying, God, give me the ears to hear. Give me the eyes to see. Give me the heart to respond. He will be pleased to honor that kind of prayer. So to bring a little clarity to what we've been talking about, this is the one time that Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God in which he did not use a parable. And that's found in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. And here, uh, being asked by the Pharisees, when's this kingdom of God going to come? Jesus answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Literally, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, in this text, that is the only reference to the kingdom of God that is not in parabolic form. Jesus says this. The kingdom of God is not something out there. It's not something that you're going to be able to observe out there. You know, some God activity and the kingdom of God is here and so on like that. And he said, it's not something that's primarily about the future. It's not something about, you know, when you die, you go to heaven and all the heavenly reality hits you at that point. He says, rather, that it is right here, right now, within you. 
And that's very troublesome to most of us because we know how unheavenly it is within us. Right? We know how contrary to the kingdom of God, the ways of God, the will of God within us can be. And yet he says, it's here right now within you. So how does that become more of a reality to you and to me? Well, there was a a rich man who wanted to know what it tasted like to taste a peach. You had a peach? And so he went and hired a pretty renowned physician. And he asked the physician to study the peach and with his conclusions tell him what does a peach taste like. And so he got out a bright light. He examines the peach. He even puts it through an MRI. And he's able to tell the rich man, well, it's got this kind of hard core to it. But on the outside, it remains pretty soft. Okay, well, that didn't help the guy too much know how does a peach taste. So he went and hired a renowned artist, a sculptor. And he said, "Uh, I want you to come and examine this peach and tell me what does a peach taste like. So she begins to handle the peach, touch the peach. And she says, wow, it's pretty fuzzy. And then she took a knife and began to peel that outward layer off. And she goes, no, actually, it's pretty slick and cool to the touch. And that didn't help the guy know what does a peach taste like. And so he went and hired a chef, a renowned chef. And he said, I want to know what does a peach taste like. And so the chef handles it carefully, then takes a knife and begins to slice it into many little pieces and puts it on this platter in a wonderful presentation with a little garnish on the side. And, uh, you know, kind of tasted his fingers afterwards. And he said, I can tell you precisely that a peach is sweet. And the rich man looks at this platter of peach cut up into little pieces. He hears the words of the chef, but he still doesn't know how it tastes. You're way ahead of me, right? What do you do to know how a peach tastes? You have to take a bite. You have to consume. And Jesus is saying that is the kingdom of God. You can't describe it. You can't uh, objectify and and examine it. Uh, You can't observe it out there. You have to take a bite and taste. You have to have it come within you and let it do something within you. The kingdom of God is something experienced. Study it if you want to. Debate and talk about it if you want to. Uh, Consult the scholars if you want to. But you will absolutely miss it unless you experience it. Take a bite and taste. And so... That brings us to how Jesus was getting at this in Matthew 13. We were here last week. He said in the first place, and and he kept talking about in in agricultural terms, that it's something like a seed. The kingdom of God in Matthew 13, 1, is like a sower who went out and sowed seed everywhere. And depending on the kind of soil, determined what kind of penetration the seed had on the individual. 
Hard soil, no penetration, no experience of the kingdom of God. You know, kind of a shallow soil. You, you kind of get a little glimpse of the kingdom of God, but it doesn't have uh, enough penetration in your heart to really grab your heart and change your life. That kind of cluttered, uh, got stuff in the soil that can choke it out. Well, it can find some penetration, but it doesn't remain because you haven't cultivated. You haven't cleaned out your life. And then that fourth kind, that good soil. He said, now that's where the seed dies to its former life and takes on a whole new life into itself. And it will multiply 30, 60, 100 times. It's remarkable what the kingdom of God does in an individual whose heart is broken up and cultivated and has a capacity to receive the seed. And then where we spent our time last week, beginning with Matthew 13, 24, he said, here's what the kingdom of God is like. It's like Jesus going out and sowing good seed that will bring forth wheat. But his enemy, the devil, comes along and sows bad seed right there with the good seed. And then you have weeds and wheat growing up together simultaneously. And it's a kind of weed called tares that looks so much like wheat, for the longest time you can't tell the difference. Until they reach a full state of maturity, the tares and the wheat look the same. He said, don't, don't go in there and try to you know, rip out the weeds at this point. We're going to wait until an appointed time, and then we will remove the weeds from the life-giving, bread-making wheat. And the weeds will be cast away and burned, and the wheat will remain to give life. And the whole point with that is that the kingdom of God, uh, as it's being experienced by some of us, will have others around us who look like, well, they, they may be in the kingdom of God too. They may be Christ followers too. They kind of have the same morality. They use the same language and the same words. They have some of the same behaviors and practices. They come to the Sunday morning services or they go to a small group. They hang out for the Thanksgiving service on that Sunday night, etc., etc. But they don't have the kingdom of God. And so, friend, here's where it really behooves you with the power of God's Spirit to have some discernment. Do I have the kingdom of God within me? Or do I have some kind of external conforming to a religious community? Because, friends, if you have some kind of external conforming to a religious community, you don't have life. You don't have the kingdom. And you don't have an eternity secured. And it is an awful imitation of the real thing. And you go, well, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of kingdom stuff developed in me. I don't know exactly what to make of that. Well, then Jesus got into Matthew thirteen thirty-one, and that's where we're going to look at the text together. So if you have your Bible, look at that with me. This is the parable of the mustard seed. And he said in verse 31... He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, 
But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants, and it becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So what did he just say? We get all nervous about how much reality of the kingdom of God is within me, or how much of the reality of the kingdom of God is not in me. And Jesus said, here's what you need to understand. It's like a mustard seed, which is very small. The kingdom of God is like a small seed that's been hidden, that's been planted within you. Which is to say, there may not be something dramatic that takes place the minute that you have the kingdom of God come alive in your heart. It may not be fireworks. It may not be emotional and tears. Uh, it may not result in, you know, you kind of walking on clouds for the next few days. A lot of people have that, and that's great. A lot of people don't have that. And Jesus said, don't worry about that. If the kingdom of God has truly come into your heart, it will be like a small seed that is just hidden, and it's beginning like seeds do, to disintegrate and lose its seed life so that it springs forth in a new kind of plant life, which is the second thing that he said. It will, you know, that mustard seed will grow to like a tree that birds can build nests in and live in. So he says, that with growth, the reality of the kingdom of God will become more and more and more and more evident within you. So let me, let me put it to you this way, friends. If you had some kind of moment a year ago, three years ago, ten years ago, where you felt like um, I was crossing a line to become a Christian. And there was nothing that particularly demonstratively happened with you in those early days, weeks, months. Jesus said, don't get too bent out of shape about that. Because it's a small thing that begins to generate in your life. But with the passing of time, with the growing as a result of what's been planted in you, then friends, that reality will become more and more and more evident to you and evident to others in relationship to that growth. And friends, if there's not much difference in your experience of God and your experience of the kingdom today from three years ago, from five years ago, from ten years ago, then I would take that as a serious, serious wake-up call right now. Because it may just be, you've just been kind of humming along religiously in proximity to kingdom of God people and kingdom of God activity. But it never has taken root in you. And conversely, Jesus wants you to be encouraged if... You have seen through the years a greater awareness of him, a greater connection with him, a greater sense of communication and exchange with him, a greater sense of power of of his presence in your life and through your life. 
and you now uh, find your nature being transformed so that, you know, it was our nature to be served. Now it becomes more of our nature to serve. It was our nature to get. Now it's more of our nature to give. It was our nature to hold grudges. Now it's more our nature to forgive. If all that becomes more and more evident, more and more natural to you, then you've got the, the life of the kingdom in you. But friend, if it is just as tough for you to be generous today as it was five years ago, there's a problem. If it's just as tough for you to forgive today as it was five years ago, there's a problem. If it's just as tough for you to serve today as it was five years ago, see, and if that matters to you right in this moment, God's Spirit is stirring in you right now, trying to awaken something in you right now. And a hard heart or a shallow heart or an uncultivated heart will suppress that and go, that's his opinion. Oh, that's just the emotion of the moment. That's something else. But the good soil heart will go, that's right. I have had something else. I want Jesus and his kingdom. God, would you save me? Would you come in? Would you... Redeem me. So here's my questions to you today. Will you allow God to sow his word into your heart? Will you not suppress it? Will you not rationalize it away? Will you not play some kind of religious game right now? And will you, by his grace, have the soil of your heart broken up deeply? And allow that seed to penetrate. Will you exercise trust and patience in God's plan and process? He goes, God, I did what you're talking about six months ago. There's not a whole lot to show for you. Well, continue to trust. Continue to lean into him. Continue to allow him to have his way with you. He's, he's working a process in you. And will you join God? In sowing his word into the hearts of others. Now that happens as you're willing for God to bring you into relationships with those that are outside the kingdom. And allows you to share an insight that he's brought to your life or a story that he's brought around your life. Or some scriptural reference that uh, the, the truth and the reality have become more apparent and clear to you. In other words, you, you talk about Jesus, you talk about the faith. In that conversation, he'll do some sowing in the heart of the other person. Let's pray together. Would you bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment? Maybe you'd say, Scott... This has been a very important heart check for me today. I'm not sure that I have the kingdom of God within me. I'm not sure that I've been saved from my sins. I'm not sure that I have life in me that will see me through to heaven. Nobody's looking around. It's a very private, prayerful moment. Maybe you'd say, Scott, would you pray for me about that? Just hold your hand up real briefly and put it right back down. I'm not sure, but I want to be sure.
Will you pray for me? You can, thank you. You can put your hand straight up and then right down. Yeah, thank you. I see it. Anybody else? Okay, thank you. I just need to be sure. Okay, somebody else says, God, I'm, I'm confident that the kingdom of God is in me, that, that I have been saved by Jesus. But there's still not a lot to show for it. And I know I, I want to be patient. I want to be in the process. But I also don't want to be disobedient. Will you pray for me about that? Just a hand. Real, okay, thank you. Up and down. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. And then there's some others of us, friends. You know God's put some significant people around your life with whom you can share Jesus. You can talk about faith. You can be a part of the sowing of seed in them. And you just have lacked courage or you've been distracted or preoccupied. You say, that's me. And I want to be faithful. I want to be obedient in the sharing of faith. Thank you. Just put the hand up and then down. Okay. Thank you. All right. Let's pray. So, Father, for the friends that want to be active in participating with you in the work of sowing seed, I pray that your spirit would grip their heart, bring courage to the heart, uh, make clear with whom the people are that you're bringing into their lives. And, Father, would you give them opportunity to have this kind of conversation, a Jesus conversation, this week. And for the friend, that uh, the growth is not happening at uh, a pace that would reflect uh, full alignment and full obedience with you. And I pray that you would honor the commitment they're making right now. And that you would empower them for obedience and that kingdom activity will begin to proceed more and more evidently within them. And then, Father, for the friend who's just not sure, I pray that your spirit would commune with their mind and thoughts right now, with their heart. And I pray that you would come near to them and allow them to come near to you. And, friend, just whisper this, Lord, would you save me? I'm a sinner that needs a Savior, and I believe you are the Savior. Would you forgive me? I confess. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.